introduce myself. My name is Mikey. I am one of the camp directors here, and uh, I'm here uh, I, alongside Sarah Danes. I help run Ponderosa. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're here in this building. I'm glad that we have a week of camp together. This is week nine for us, and so we hope that you guys are stoked. I'm from a little place called Redondo Beach, California. <laughs> And it was just a really hard life growing up, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'm from Redondo Beach. I, uh, I grew up at a, at a church called Journey of Faith. You're in here. That's awesome. Um, but I am glad that you guys are here. I, uh, I moved up here back in 2021 full-time. I got married in September of 2021 to my wife named Susan. Suze, you could call her Susie also. Suze or Susie, no matter what. She's working over in Wagon Train. So we love Wagon you Train. You guys don't know what Wagon Train is, do you? Okay, all right, awesome. Wagon Train's our elementary school camp. She loves it over there. She loves the kiddos. And maybe you'll see us around, but... Again, I'm glad you're here. I am a, I'm going to kind of tell you what we're going to be talking about this week and where we're going to be going and what, uh, what is our theme, essentially. And so, like I said, up here, you're probably watching this, this whatever you call it, opener take place. And uh, there's people out here dressed as sailors, and they're walking around, and then you've got people dressed in trash coming up to the front and taking over this place, and then there's an explosion, and then we're like, welcome, and then everyone's yelling at you. So I get there's probably just a lot of confusion. I, I'm sure that you're probably trying to piece things together, but this is our theme. This is our creative theme. This is what we do as Human Lake Christian Camps. We take a book of the Bible and we explore it and we also we, we take out the truths of that book of the Bible and then we present it creatively. And so what you guys just saw, the opener, kind of kicks us off. It's episode one. For the rest of the week, you guys are going to see six different videos, and each of those videos is going to kind of be an analogy for the book that we're going to be going through. And so this year, we're going through the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel, which I'm so excited. In just a moment, I'm going to kind of share why. Why are we going through the book of Daniel? But nonetheless, you guys saw this, this production, and then you're going to see these videos, and you're going to probably be asking yourselves the question, who's that character? What's that character? And so I'm going to explain that and just a few minutes, but basically what you're seeing is the Israelites, you saw the people on the stage, the, the Omnians is what we would call them in the video, the Omnians, they're sailors, they're, they're a nation of seafarers, and they're out at sea, and they are taken captive by the trashers, and the trashers are the Babylonians. You'll learn more about what is significant about this history, why this is all taking place. Tomorrow we're going to go through passage and chapter one of the book of Daniel, and we're going to learn more and more about the historicity and why this is significant, why Daniel and his friends are taken into Babylonian captivity. But nonetheless, you guys saw that take place. And then you've got three main characters. You've got Darlene, who is holding up the, the, the survival guide, and she represents Daniel, and she has a choice either to to assimilate to the culture that they were being taken into. Essentially, the trashers overtook this boat, and then they get shipwrecked on an island called Trasher Island, and now they are surrounded by a culture that is not their own. And so they are tempted to, to, to basically partake in all these different things that the trashers are partaking in. And the trashers worship the tide. The tide, you guys heard that in the song, the tide gives us everything that we need. The tide provides and the tide is essentially all the desires of the world. And the Babylonians worship the tide because it brings them trash. 
because it brings them stuff that they want and desire, and they build trash statues, and they wear trasher clothing, and they eat the trash, and everything about their life revolves around this trash. So Darlene has a choice to make. Is she going to serve her king, King Magnus, who represents God, who is the king over the nation that they, that they serve under and they serve in? Is she going to worship him, or is she going to serve him, or is she going to serve the culture? And then you've got Sherman, my character, represents Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he is also kind of, kind of in this tension of, is he going to decide to assimilate or give in? And then you have Judith who was trying to steer the ship earlier, and she was steering the ship, and we were all going with it. And she represents the nation of Israel, but maybe she represents the world in that she tries to do things her own way. She tries to continually disregard all that the king has taught them. And so because of her, because she decided to go her own way, and because she's dragging the Omnians with her, they are now in exile. They are now in a completely foreign land, in a foreign island, and they are tempted to give in to that culture. And so why is this significant? Why are we talking about this? Why are we exploring this creatively? Why are you watching a bunch of sailors like this is a bad VeggieTales episode or whatever it might be? You got, how many of you guys watch that VeggieTales? Daniel, come on. The Chocolate Bunny. The Chocolate Bunny, we love it. But why are you watching this? The reason that you're watching this is because this is supposed to represent the book of Daniel. And why are we going through the book of Daniel? The main question that we're going to be asking you guys this week is this. How can you be a resilient believer in a world that is hostile toward Christianity? Increasingly hostile toward Christianity. Many of you probably have experienced this or maybe know this, but the world does not agree with what the Bible says. And if you're a Christian and you submit your life to the word of God and you submit your life to Jesus, there is going to be opposition. Maybe you've already experienced opposition for voicing your opinions or whatever it might be or your beliefs. But the truth is, is that I, and I, I say this not lightly, but the world doesn't have issues with Christians. The world has issues with the Bible. It has issues with the word of God. It has issues with the statements made there. And so oftentimes, they'll see different Christians misrepresent the Bible, or they'll see different things, and their, their issue is not necessarily with those Christians, but with what they represent. And so if you're a Christian, and you're living in this world, you might already feel like it is impossible to live for God. Like you're in your public schools, you're surrounded by friends that don't believe in you, are on your sports teams, and they're maybe pressuring you to do to do different things or believe different things or say different things or maybe your friends don't agree with you or maybe you have teachers that don't or your parents don't agree with what you believe. And maybe you're here for the first time and you don't believe in any of this and you think this is all garbage and you don't know why you're here but you're here to have a good time and take selfies in front of the lake and you're just here because this is what you do. You go to Hume and you have fun. If you're a part of that group of people, I'd encourage you guys to lean in this week. There is nothing more important that you can be talking about than what is happening in this chapel. We're going to be opening God's word, and we're going to be studying the book of Daniel. Why is that significant? Well, like I said, how can you be a resilient believer in a world that is increasingly hostile towards the truth? And we see an example 
of that. See, the book of Daniel is not there. It's, it's in the Old Testament. It's not there to show you or to preach at you, here's what you need to do as a believer. The book of Daniel shows you what it means to be a resilient believer. Why? Because Daniel was resilient. Because Daniel and his friends lived out their faith, but they didn't just say they believed stuff, they actually lived it out. Jesus wasn't just in their Instagram bio. They actually chose to follow him. In fact, choosing to follow Yahweh, choosing to follow the God of the Bible, Yahweh, their God, the God of Israel, choosing to follow him led them to danger, to trials, to persecution. And so the question that we're gonna be asking you again how do you be resilient? Daniel was resilient. And kind of coming up with this theme, we basically read this article. And this article was uh, produced by this group of people that researches Christians. And they basically were saying, and the conclusion of this article was that 65 to 75% of students that are in youth groups or are a part of a church right now, by the time they reach college, they will end up stop going to church, and shortly thereafter, they'll stop believing in what they were taught growing up or maybe just in their high school years and denounce their faith altogether. 60 to 75 percent is the vast majority of this room. And so it makes me think as we come into this place year after year after year, maybe you've done this many times and you've come inside these doors and you've You've stood up when the gospel has been presented and you said, yes, I give my life to Jesus. And then the next month, you're back at where you started. You are back to the old habits, the old things that you used to do. So what can be different? How can we be different? And so when the conclusion of this article, not only was 65 to 75% of these people, these young people, these teenagers would end up stop going to church, but the conclusion was that we live in a digital Babylon. A digital Babylon. You're gonna learn why that's significant. Babylon is what Daniel and his friends was the culture that they were taken exile into. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, you'll learn in the story of Daniel, those four guys, they were Hebrews, they were part of the tribe of Judah, they were in the nation of Israel, and all around them, everything began to change when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came. They were taken into exile, and much of the cities were destroyed, they were marched through the streets, everything around them would be different, but not only that, they were chosen to be a part of the royal court, they were chosen to basically serve the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who went into their nation and basically laid ruin to it. They are now chosen to serve that king, but not only are they chosen to serve that king, but they are given new names. Daniel, his name in the Hebrew basically means God is my judge. God is my judge. Now his name is Belteshazzar. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, their names are changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's significant. Why? Because those names aren't just names. Those names completely flip their identity. Those names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those also had meaning behind them. They also basically represented who their God was to them. And now they're giving new names. Names that serve and basically pay homage to Babylonian gods like Baal and these different gods that they worshipped. 
So you can think in that moment, maybe they're tempted to think their entire identity is gone. They don't know who they are because they're surrounded by a completely foreign culture. Maybe you're a Christian in today's world and you don't know how to live it out. You don't know what to do because the world around you not only disagrees with what you believe, but directly opposes it. And so Daniel and his friends are going through this and they are taken into exile and they are forced to live out this life and they have a choice to make. They're going to live for God or they're going to live for the king, Nebuchadnezzar. Are they going to serve their own interests or are they going to serve Yahweh? And we'll see in just a moment what that leads to. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Daniel chapter 3. If you guys don't know where Daniel is, it's kind of near the middle of your Bible. Go ahead, flip open to the middle of your Bible. You might hit Isaiah, and then you just keep flipping over to the right. It's past Ezekiel, and then you will find Daniel. Like I said, if you guys don't have a Bible, actually, if you don't have a Bible, we have plenty of Bibles in the back for you. In fact, if you didn't bring one, please, after chapel tonight, go ahead to the back. Pick up a Bible, and we will give one to you because we are going to be in God's Word all week long. Here's the deal. Guys, listen up. When we open up God's Word, I'm not just opening up something. I'm not opening up a textbook. I'm not opening up a novel. When we open up God's Word, Hume was founded upon this. Everything we do as believers should be measured against God's Word, but not only that. God's word is not only perfect, it has no errors, it's not just literal. God's word speaks to everything in your life. And you might not believe that right now, you might ask yourself the question, why are we studying a guy that lived 2,600 years ago? Why are we studying this guy? Because I'm telling you this. In the book of Galatians it says God's word is living and active. It means that every single time you open up God's word, it is shaping you, it is forming you, it is changing you. And so that's why we open up God's word, but not only that, it is truth. So every single syllable, everything that you read in this book, we as Christians believe this to be true. Maybe you doubt that. And maybe you don't know whether or not what you're reading is actually factual, or maybe you're kind of struggling with this whole Christian thing, please, stay with us. Lean in this week. Yeah. Asking you to pay attention. There's nothing more important that could be happening than what's happening in here this week. Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to be in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought What's happening? Pause real quick. What is happening? Nebuchadnezzar, this is well into the story of Daniel. This is a, a few chapters in. And so Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in fact, just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are starting to experience some pushback. Not only are they starting to experience some pushback for what they believe, they are actually threatened to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace for what they believe. And they believe that God... The only God they bow to is their God, Yahweh. And what is Nebuchadnezzar commanding them to do? Well, he built this golden image 
essentially. And he is saying everybody must bow. When the music plays, they must bow before this idol. And what do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They don't. And so here's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered them and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you did not, do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a bird burning fiery furnace and who is the god who will deliver you out of my hands who is the god that will deliver you who is your god he's asking this question to shadrach meshach and abednego and they're standing there and in this moment, they probably could have done a couple of different things maybe they would have bowed and they would have said well god knows my heart God knows what I believe. God knows my mind. God knows my heart. He knows that I serve him. He knows that I worship him. Do they do that? Well, we'll see. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They sit there and they say, we can't. It's not an option for us to bow to your God. Why? Because Yahweh is my God. So when we ask you the question of what does it mean to be a resilient believer in today's world, look no further than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is resilience. That is the ability to stare death in the face and say, you know what? I don't care what happens. I choose God. Many of you, in fact, I'd say none of you will be faced with this kind of scenario, I hope, where you're threatened to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. But how easy it, is it for you to bow down to the idols in your life? They're constantly being raised up in your heart and in your mind. The average American teenager spends seven hours a day on their phone. Seven hours a day. If you were to spend seven hours a day doing anything, you would be a professional at that thing. If you were to spend seven hours a day learning Spanish, you would be fluent. If you were to spend seven hours a day shooting hoops, whatever it might be for a month, I, I'm not going to say you'd be in the NBA because you just won't, but you do anything like that and you would be incredible at that thing you do. You teenagers, that's the average. That is the average amount of time teenagers spend, which means there are outliers, which means there are people that are spending maybe nine hours a day on their phone and maybe there's people spending five, maybe there's people spending 11 Maybe there's people spending three. But all that being said, I know that maybe not all of that is social media. Maybe not all of that's TikTok. Maybe some of that is Sparknotes or whatever you guys use these days. I don't know. But whatever it is, seven hours a day, seven hours of content, seven hours of information, seven hours of stimulating the mind, seven hours of information just surrounding you, constantly being stimulated you're never bored so you're always bored all these things are happening in your life 
and you wonder why, you look at the world and you see the anxiety rising, you see the depression rising, and all the while, while that's happening, while our hearts are troubled and while our minds are troubled, what do we run to? Our phone, our phone, our phone. Resilience as a believer. What is it going to take? Because I'm telling you this right now. When your life is consumed by the world, you'll continue to fall into the traps that the world has to offer. And you'll continue to believe in your own mind. And you'll continue to run to things that will never satisfy you when only God can truly satisfy. Resilience. I'll close with this. I'm going to basically give you guys four things that I want you guys to ask yourself this week. Four things that I think resilient believers have. Four things that as we read the book of Daniel and as you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have and made them successful in a world that just discounts everything we believe. The first thing is this. If you have your notepads, go ahead and write this down. Resilient believers fear God and not man. Resilient believers fear God and not man. Growing up in the church, I always used to think that this meant that God was chasing me. And that I was literally scared of him. And I would run away from him. And I was scared of, of my punishment. And I was scared of him. But the truth is, is that when you read that scripture, there are plenty of places in the Bible where people will come before the Lord and they are scared. Because God is holy. The book of Isaiah is an amazing example. When Isaiah sees this vision, he's a prophet. Basically, he's a prophet, which means that he's, he hears from God, he sees a vision, and he speaks that, that to the people. He hears from God, and he, he speaks what he hears, and he writes down what he hears, and he shares it with the people of Israel. So Isaiah's a prophet, and so he sees this vision, and he sees God, and he sees... Basically, the passage goes like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and around him flew seraphim singing day and night, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And what is Isaiah's response? Basically, what does he do? He falls to his face, and he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. There are plenty of examples in the Bible of people, when they encounter the presence of God, they are in fear actual fear they are afraid they recognize but when we read in the book of proverbs where it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom that's not that kind of fear the fear of the lord is a reverence and awe of him a reverence and awe do you fear him do you revere him do you when you come into a time of worship, do you recognize the God that you're singing to, the God that created you, that created the mountains and the lakes and the rivers, the God that knows you by name? Do you fear him? I imagine maybe when you were young, you were walking with your dad and he was holding your hand down the street. Think about the confidence that gave you, knowing nothing bad could happen to you because your dad was with you. And recognize that even if you didn't have an earthly dad like that, that the God of the universe, the God of the universe, the God that created you and me, he is with you if you have put your faith and trust in him. So the first thing 
Resilient believers fear God and not man. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love this quote about the fear of the Lord. It says, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Do you have a high view of God? Or is he just your bro? Do you have a high view of God or do you basically say to God, agree to disagree, I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And I, I, do, I do believe in you, but one day I will actually live for you. But right now I'm having too much fun. Do you fear him? Do you revere him? Because the Bible says you cannot live with wisdom. The Bible says you will fear every single other thing unless you fear him. Why do you think Daniel was able to stand in the lion's den? Why do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to stand before Nebuchadnezzar and not bow? It's because they feared God more than any man that was in front of them. Who do you fear? What your friends think of you? It's a big one. If I could go back in time and I look back at my high school career or whatever it might be and I look back, I wish I didn't care what people thought of me. But I did. And because of that, many, many people, I, I was too afraid to share my faith. I actually wasn't living out of this place of, you know what, I don't care what people think of me. I'm going to share. But I constantly would cower and would not share what I believe. And people knew what I believed, but at the end of the day, I wasn't actually using my words to preach the gospel. I just thought that I could be a nice person and people would come to know the Lord. And what I recognize as I look back is that's not the case. You're called to be bold. If you fear the Lord, this brings us to the second thing. You will trust the living God. Resilient believers trust the living God. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Do you trust in your own mind? Because you fear the Lord, because you see him high and lifted up, because you know who he is, when things are falling apart around you, what do you run to? Do you run to your phone? Do you run to your friends? Do you run to things that will ultimately leave you in the same spot than where you started? In fact, will not just leave you in the same spot where you started, but cause you to digress. Or do you trust God? Do you run to your word? Do you run to the Bible? Do you run to friends that know God and that you can rely upon to pray for you? Who do you run to? Who do you put your trust in? Daniel, what does he do in times of crisis? You'll learn this. But as he is basically threatened with death because nobody knew how to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream, this guy is crazy. So he is saying basically, whoever doesn't interpret my dream, I will kill them. And Daniel is put in this position. And what does he do? He goes to his friends and he says, guys, we need to pray that the Lord would have mercy on us. We need to pray right now. Imagine if we did that. In times of crisis, maybe you say, well, Mikey, you have no idea what I'm going through right now. You don't know the home situation. My parents are getting divorced. My friends are ousting me. My, I've lost a loved one. Whatever it might be, there are so many different tragedies or so many different hardships you might be facing. But the question I ask you right now is who do you put your trust in when things fall apart? 
when the ground shakes, when the things around you crumble. Daniel put his trust in his God. And because of that, God sustained him. It, what, it didn't matter what was happening circumstantially. It didn't matter whether or not he was liked by people. It didn't matter whether or not he was held in high esteem, which he was. But regardless, those things didn't matter because they trusted God. He trusted God. Third thing, resilient believers have biblical convictions. Biblical convictions. Okay, what does this mean? All right, That word conviction comes from the word convinced. To be convinced, okay? Paul, the writer of the New Testament, he's this guy who basically got changed by God and basically started just sharing the gospel with everybody, sharing that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and that he lives and that he is the king. And so Paul is sharing these things, and what does he say? I am convinced that neither height nor depth, nothing can separate us from God's love. He is convinced. Constantly he's saying, I am convinced, I am convinced, I am convinced. Are you convinced? Are you convinced of God's word? We, we have so many convictions, you guys, and if you think that you don't, I'm, I'm just gonna point some out to you right now. Some of you are convinced that you will win Kajabi this week, and you won't. Some of you are convinced that the Lakers are the best team in basketball, and we know that they are. <laughs> no, they're not. Some of you are convinced of so many different things. Some of you are convinced that you're all that. Some of you are convinced that you're the worst. Whatever it might be, we have convictions. When it comes to the convictions that really matter, we don't really know anything. When it comes to actually knowing what we believe as Christians, we kind of go blank. We don't actually know if somebody asks you, hey, what do you believe? You know, maybe you're... Some of you guys are heading into college next year, and maybe you'll get asked that question, or maybe you'll have a professor ask you, whatever it might be, what will you say? What do you believe? Because the truth is, is that the world doesn't really know what it believes. I studied philosophy at UCLA, and I was surrounded by a lot of agnostics and atheists. And a lot of them knew a lot about what they didn't believe. But the moment you ask them, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? What could you bank your life upon? Many of them didn't really have any answers. The world doesn't know what it believes. But we aren't supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be like God. We're supposed to be like Christ. We're supposed to be like all, that have gone, all those who have gone before us. We're supposed to be convinced of the truth of God's word. And this is the reason why I believe that when you guys go into college and when you start experiencing this pushback or when people start asking you, wait, so uh, does hell really exist? Or wait, so what does Jesus really say? Or wait, are, are you deconstructing? Or wait, all these different things that they start to ask you. The question of a resilient believer and the question that I'm asking you is what will you do in that moment? Will you actually know what you believe? Will you actually recognize and, 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 and study God's word so that you can have an answer but not only that, the things that you are maybe going to wrestle with or maybe some things that you read in the Bible, like I agree with this part of the Bible, but when I flip over here, I just, I don't know about that. 
And the problem is, is that we're kind of just tiptoeing and we don't really know and we straddle the line and we don't know where we are when it comes to our belief. And then the moment we get to college, we start to be questioned by professors, we're questioned by friends, we're questioned by these different people, and then you start to question your own beliefs. And then you go to a, you take a philosophy class and then you're like, wait, what do I believe? And then all of a sudden you start to question everything you've ever been taught. And so the story goes, just being tossed to and fro by the wave of the world. And I'm telling you this, that when you are tempted to start to go in that direction, I'm telling you, there is nothing but confusion. You'll be able to look at the world and say, well, I don't believe in God, but all these bad things happen, but you won't be able to have an answer for why. Biblical conviction matters. And guess what? When you say that you believe in God's word, when you say that you're a Christian, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It might rub some people the wrong way, but I'm telling you, that's unique. Not many people are able to say that with conviction and say, I believe this. I believe that this is a sin. I believe that this is the word of God. I believe that one day God is coming again and I will be with him forever. The last thing is this. Resilient believers are not alone. Your friends are the most influential people in your life. They are more influential than your youth pastors. They are more influential than your parents. Your friends, who you spend your time with, the bulk of your time, will influence you whether you like that or not. I am a, I'm an example. I am a result of the friends that I had while I was in high school and in college. I would not be standing here today if it weren't for my friends. I would not be standing here today if it weren't for my friends that knew the Lord and that would call us, each other, back to the fold and would say, you know what? We need to start doing something. We need to live out our faith or we need to read the Bible together. We need to share scriptures with each other. I would not be here if it weren't for that. Because I know some of you, the moment you come home and the moment you go home from this place on Saturday, there are going to be people waiting for you. And you know those people and you know the moment you get in that situation, you're going to be tempted. And so it matters the friends that you make and it matters who you spend your time with. And I'm not saying that you reject everybody that doesn't believe in the same things that you do. I'm saying that you treat them with love and respect, but that you pick your friends wisely. You need friends that know the Lord in your life, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego needed each other. Imagine if one of them didn't bow. Imagine if they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and one of them did bow. What do you think would happen? Do you think the others would follow? I think there's power in the fact that there are three of them. And that all three of them were able to say no. Because they knew what each of them believed. Do you have friends like that? This week we are going to ask you again and again these questions. And Mike Johnny is going to be opening up God's word this week. And I'm so, so excited for that. But maybe even tonight, you're struggling to actually pay attention. And you're struggling already, and you're excited for a fun week because we got wreck, we've got all these different things. But as God word, God's word is opened, 
And as we go through the book of Daniel, and as we ask you the question, what does it mean to be a resilient believer? You have the opportunity to encounter the living God, to encounter the God that created you, because he speaks through this book. I don't know what situations you're going through and what you've have been struggling with, but I'm glad you're here. And I want you to know that this week is unique for you. Seven hours a day on your phone, that's what you could be doing, but right now you're up at Hume Lake and you're surrounded by his creation and you're surrounded by friends and you're surrounded and hopefully you're going to be opening up God's word each and every single day and you're going to be singing worship songs with our worship team and the band and I hope in all of that, you're able to see and taste that the Lord is good for yourself. Not just have me tell you that he is, but that you're actually able to see the goodness of God this week. And that you're able to see his kindness. And that because of that, you recognize what it means to live a resilient life. That you could go into these other things. You could live for the world. You could pick that up. You could look at that. But why would you? Because God is more pleasing. He is better than anything that the world has to offer. So here's what we're going to do in just a moment. Sarah's going to come up, and she's going to tell you kind of what we got going on next. But I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that we would pay attention this week, that we would lean in and not away. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for the ways in which you have called us to live. God, we live in a world that is hostile towards you, but that hostility is not necessarily the, the hostility we might see in the book of Daniel, but it is more subversive and it's, it's after our desires and the fact that we spend so much time on our phones and we cope with everything that is hard in our life by going on our phones and doing these different things, Lord. God, it's telling of the fact that the world wants us to be pulled away from what's truly life-giving. And it wants us to be anxious. And it wants us to put our trust in things that we should not put our trust in. And so, God, I pray that this week you could just silence those voices and all the different influences in these students' lives. And a week of camp, as they're able to spend in your word and going through the book of Daniel, that they would be challenged to live a resilient life for you. God, we love you, and we thank you for this week. And in Jesus' name, amen.